turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And uh, this morning, um, I, I want to start out by just talking about, uh, this is a little hot up here. It sounds a little loud if you could turn me down. Uh, um, I want to start out by just talking about uh, what Christ has done for you and for me. When I think about uh, the message of the gospel, the story of Jesus, that he came, uh, that he, you know, all the events that we celebrate as Christmas, and um, we look at his life, we see his uh, very few details of his early uh, days, his uh, growing up, if you will, and then uh, when he becomes uh, a man, his public ministry and how he teaches and uh, both the, the rejection and the miracles and the teachings that he gave us, amazing, uh, just a great, uh, incredible um, life that he lived. And then he goes to the cross. He willingly goes to the cross. Uh, he, uh, as part of the plan, uh, sinful men and uh, take him and, you know, really persecute him and then take him to the cross to put him to death, to put him to death. And so we, we look at this and we go, this is just an amazing, amazing picture. And then the, that we get a, a place there, that we get, uh, uh, that we get to experience because of what he did, uh, we get to experience the love of Christ, that he loved us, that we get that uh, amazing relationship with Christ. Uh, John 3.16, most of you know it, says that God loved the world so much that he gave his son. And so we know that we are loved by God uh, because of what Christ did on the cross. We also get this interesting uh, and, and really fascinating, hard for us to grasp, that Jesus is the king of kings. That he is not just uh, a suffering servant, but he is the king of kings, which makes the fact that he is the suffering servant uh, much more remarkable. That he came as a servant. And you can easily say, and probably primarily say, that he served the Father in working out the plan. But uh, he stooped down to serve sinful people like me and you. Jesus loved us, and he served us. And uh, that's hard to take in, even as we uh, sang how marvelous today, right? Uh, that, that he would do this for us, that he would love and serve us. It's really on that backdrop today that we look at our passage this morning uh, the, the passage, we're going to be starting in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, um, and I, I would like to start reading for you in verse 8, if you'd stand in honor of God's word. Um, actually, let me start at verse 7, the verse we looked at last week. God's word says this, the end of all things is at hand, uh, therefore be self-controlled, and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has uh, 
received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God, uh, do your work in us now through your word. Uh, May this time be effective in our own hearts to quiet us down, uh, to reprioritize us, to cause us to be more like you, to walk in holiness this week, uh, to rejoice at the riches that you've provided for us in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So as we uh, look to God's word this morning, um, this is, we, we struggle with this all the time. And I, I realize that the book of Ephesians and Romans talks about we're adopted into the family. Uh, some of you have experienced that both as the ones who have been adopted into a family as well as those who have adopted someone into your family. And there's a real practical, practical thing of adoption where uh, a, a child comes into a home and uh, parents uh, receive a child, and there's this assimilation that goes on. And I would even say it this way, that uh, ours is an extreme case. Uh, ours is something totally different, that we lived as orphans apart from the family of God, and the family and the thoughts that we had prior to being adopted uh, were wrong and awful and part of the mess that we were in. And then we were adopted and brought into the family of God. And the practicality that needs to go on is for uh, the parents or the family to enfold that person, that, that child, and for the child to, to realize and to recognize how this family works. And, and this morning, we're really going to see how this family works. And when I say this family, the family of God, the church, um, one of the things, and I, I don't want to get too wound up on it today. I'll leave it for another day, and it is coming. Um, I, I want, one of the things that's de, uh, been hard for us as God's people and, and somewhat discouraging even is how do we be family when they tell us to stay apart? Um, you know, uh, I think I think when I first heard this idea of six feet apart, I, I just go, that's ridiculous. Like, uh, we don't live six feet apart. Uh, I don't live in my family six feet apart. Uh, it, we're all in each other's business. Um, and in the church, in the church, we don't live six feet apart. In fact, we think it's bad. We think it's bad. If there's distance, it's bad. If there's closeness, it's good. And so uh, as we look at uh, how do we be the church? How, how is it? Uh, how, how is it that we function? Or what are the, the activities that we do? What, what are the, the guiding principles of what we treasure and what we do? And this morning, we're really going to get two of them. And, and I really think that it, uh, as we hear from God this morning, these two things can help you prioritize your week. 
These two things can help give purpose and uh, confidence that you are doing what God wants you to do. These two things. I'll just give them to you right now and so you can tune me out. They're love and service, okay? They're love and service. As we look to God's word, um, I'd like to say, first of all, intro. If you were here last week, we only accomplished one verse, but a powerful one that talks about the, the time is at hand. The end is near. This is something that uh, time is short. Time is short. And, and how do you live when time is short? He, he gave us two words, uh, self-controlled and sober-minded, that we would be quieted in our own person, that we can go about doing what he wants us to do, and specifically the activity of prayer, that we should be prayerful people, uh, knowing that the end is at hand. Which brings us today to the two things, the two activities, the two guiding principles of all that we should be doing. And my first point goes like this. Every day, end time, essential love. Every day, end time, essential love. Uh, I don't know, some of you are retired here today, and so your life is complicated. It's not complicated because you have a lot to do. Maybe you do have a lot to do, but it's, it's complicated because you don't have to get up to go to work at a certain time. And when you, one of the great things about having a job is having a boss. And some of you are going, oh, not really, if you knew my boss. But I'm just saying that you, they tell you when you're supposed to be there, and then when you get there, they tell you what to do. And then at the end of the day, you go home, and it's their problem from then on, right? Until the next day at whatever time you start. Uh, there, there's a, a great thing of routine and rhythm. For those of you who are retired, sometimes that's hard to uh, function, right? To, to decide what to do today and what's on the list of things to do. There's always things, but you have to prioritize. What we're talking about today is that which is every day. Every day, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, whether it's the other five days of the week, uh, whether it's during the summertime or during the winter time or during the quarantine time or uh, whatever time it is, this is uh, what we should be doing, these two things. So it's every day, but it's also end time uh, to remember that time is short. Time is short. I think that when we feel like we have all the time in the world, uh, we mess around, right? We laze around. We walk a little slower, right? We, we think, oh, I'll get to that uh, tomorrow or next week or next year or maybe it's not that important. I'll never do it. You know, we just keep pushing things off. But when we find it to be the end time and we find it to be an everyday activity, we realize I got to do this today. And so these two things are uh, everyday and end time activities. The first one being essential love. In verse 8 it says this, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Uh, I'm going to slow down here, but I'm going to say this. Verse 8, above all, above all of first priority, paramount. It's, it's the, the idea of top of the list. This is uh, the, of most importance, above all. And, and I find that fascinating because uh, when we're, we're always trying to figure out what's the most important, right? Uh, here's a list of 10 things to do. And you say, well, so what's the most important on this list? 
What is the thing that rises to the top? It says, above all, above all, the most important. And it's the word love that we would love. This idea of love, um, I shared with you at the beginning on purpose, but it is the, on the backdrop or the, the foundation of what Jesus did for us on the cross. That, that the Father sent the Son to die for us. It's, it's a love story. Not between the Father and the Son. Maybe it is in the fact that he obeyed, right? Uh, that he would love him so much, but that God loved the world, us. As we think about that, we realize that uh, this is of first importance. It's a motivating factor. It's a, a core idea for us is to be loving. Above all, love. And, and he could have said anything. Above all, be disciplined. Above all, uh, obey. Above all, work hard. Above all, uh, you know, uh, be people of faith even. But he said, above all, above all, love. Let that sink in for a moment as you think about your week last week. And even if some of you are planning for the next week, what does that have to do with next week? Above all, love. It says, uh, above all, keep loving one another. I'd say it this way, love and keep loving. I, I, uh, one of the things that I um, think about Bear Valley Church, I, I feel like you are a loving group of people. I can point to things where I've seen you love one another. I, I've seen you go above and beyond for one another and not, not in the idea of just your family, that's displayed in family, but it's also displayed in the family of God. Um, just so you know, sometimes as we love our family, it can be selfish, right? Uh, it could be building our own kingdom. And uh, it's not that we shouldn't love our family, but in this passage, both uh, loving and serving, it's the idea of one another, and it's the idea of the family of God, which your family is part of the family of God, if they know the, the Savior, but this idea that you encompass much more, uh, that your idea of family is bigger uh, because of the Savior. Bear Valley Church, you are a... a a family that loves. And as Peter wrote this to the churches, he said, uh, not learn how to love, but keep loving. Keep loving. It's the idea of uh, you, you already are loving. Love more. Love more. And I, I really think about this all the time is this idea when you're in the end, you, you love more, not less. When you're in difficult time, you love more, not less. You, it's more needed, right? And so with, with the backdrop of the suffering, right? First uh, Peter, he's talking about suffering. What, what should you do in suffering? What should you do because it's the end? What is the activity of the believer uh, because of what the Savior has done for us? It's loving. It's loving. And so as we think about the activities of life, our everyday, end-time, essential love for one another. <clears throat> who, who wrote this? Who wrote First Peter? 
Peter. Peter. Yeah, that is a trick question. Holy Spirit. Um, Peter. Uh, uh, there's much I could say there. Anyway, stay on, stay on target, Kevin. Um, who, who, who wrote this? Peter's writing this on the inspiration of God. Um, as we look at this passage, as we see this, I, I want to remind you of a couple of events. Peter was a loser. <laughs> he was a loser. And why do I say Peter was a loser? Who denied Christ? Christ needed him. He was his, one of his closest friends. He, he had walked with him. He, uh, Jesus had poured into his life. And at the time where Jesus was arrested, Peter is famous, infamous, if you will, for denying Christ three times. It's interesting, and I, I believe it shows uh, the grace that uh, Jesus displays to Peter. You can look at John 21, and there's this um, really intimate, and it had to be hard for Peter to hear three questions from Jesus, the same question. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And it's really calling Peter into a significant ministry and to continue on. He, he talks about feeding his sheep, but he says three times, do you love me? Do you love me? I just bring this out to, to know that Peter, Peter knew about failure and lack of love. He knew it. And he knew that what Christ had done for him was uh, something that uh, indebted him and uh, caused him to understand what love was in a, a way more intimate way than he could have ever understood before. And now Peter is calling on the churches and he, he's calling them to do what Jesus had connected him with, that love that he had for him. And, and this is how this works is that Jesus loved Peter. Jesus loved Peter. He did. And, and in response, he was asking Peter to respond in love to him. And as he did that, this is, this is how this works. It's out of our love relationship with Christ that he calls us to love one another. Love one another. Think about that. He says uh, to these churches, he says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. They already had been loving, and now he calls them to love more. That word earnestly is, uh, can be translated deeply or all out. It's used in uh, pictures of athletic muscles that are stretched out. Uh, they've got... Uh, Scenarios where they even talk about a horse galloping and the, the muscles being all stretched out and the horse is giving all that it is. And you see the muscle being uh, brought and the tendons and everything being stretched out to the, to the limit. And he says, that's the kind of love that you should have for one another. Most of us believe uh, that cheap love is enough. Cheap love or, or token love or extra love. Uh, we say, well, you know, I, I go about my day and I, I'm very bu- a very important, very busy person. I got a lot of things going on. I got a lot of wants and desires, that things that I need to do for myself or my family. And I do what I want to do. 
Um, and if I have any spare time or I have any extra, I can love somebody else. I can care for them. I can uh, do things for them. I can say a kind word. I can take a moment to remember them and, and to express love to them. I, I can do that with, with the extras. But if I don't have any extra, uh, you're kind of out of luck when it comes to me. The picture here of this kind of love is an all-out sort of love. If you can picture that, that athlete that, that's giving it their all and their, you, you look at their skin and it's bulging and the blood is filling up and the, the, the veins are popping out and the tendons and the muscles are working all together to give it all, all that they have. And he says, giving it your all in the area of loving one another. Think about that, that that would be our priority, that we would give all that we can to love one another. It doesn't say what love is in this passage. There there are other passages in the the scripture that describe it more, but I'll just say it this way. It's caring for someone else more than yourself. Uh, On the other side, it's uh, loving ourselves, right? Uh, why don't we love others? Because we're loving ourselves. It's a selfishness, right? Driven by our own agendas. And so as we see in Christ, as we see in him, he did not love himself. He did not love his life in such a way where he was protecting it. He gave it. He gave his life. And this is the call that Peter is reminding them to do more of is to love, is to care for others more than yourself. I think about that, and I think, uh, yeah, uh, this this picture for us is this giving, this all out. Um, the, the word there, earnestly, and the, the grammar tells us that this is a continual thing. This is kind of hard to imagine, but um, most of us are sprinters, not because we're fast, but we, we like to do, we like to work hard for five minutes, right? We like to give it our all for a day and then go back to our own selfish self, right? Uh, we like to do short sprints. But, but the grammar tells us that this is a continual process, that, that it's to give our all all the time to be in a a permanent state of giving. And uh, this is just continual. It keeps going on and on and on. Uh, It's interesting. uh, I was thinking about this, RJ. Um, The the verse, uh, the cadence verse, um, it's 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Let me read it to you. It's a a great verse. Um, It says, "So, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. I look at that and I, first of all, I think, uh, I think a cadence missionary shared that with me the first time, pointed it out to me and pressed it upon me. Um, I think so often uh, we... We're cheap with people. We're cheap. 
And when I say cheap, we're stingy. We're stingy. We'll give them a little, or we'll give them the leftovers, or we'll give them our hand-me-downs. But the picture here is when we're loving is that we're stretched out, that we're constantly thinking of others. This is what it is to be a mom or a dad, right? That you're thinking about your kids. You're thinking about them, and you're not thinking about them in terms of selfishness, but you're thinking, what is best for them? How can I help them? What can I do to encourage them? What is it that I can bring to the table that will make their life better? That's what love is. Uh, Dare I say the word sacrifice, right? Uh, Jesus obviously was the greatest picture, right? He gave himself. He could have given the message and then gone home, right? He could have said, here it is. This is, this is the manual, if you will. This is the directions. Follow them and you'll be fine. But Jesus didn't come with a message. He came as the message, right? He sacrificed himself. The verse I just read in 1 Thessalonians, it says this. We gave you the gospel of God, the gospel that saves. But not just that. We gave our own lives as well. Because you had become dear to us. I want to tell you, I think that's a picture of the love that he's talking about. Paul's talking about the the love that Peter described and called us to in 1 Peter 4. Above all, love each other earnestly. There's an important principle here um, and an important benefit of this kind of love. He says this in verse 8, since love covers a multitude of sins. Uh, How many of you, when you read, you underline or highlight? How many of you like to do that? Remember, I I like to do that. I'm a big forgetter. And so, and, and I don't like reading. So if you underline it ahead of time, you don't have to reread over and over again. So anyways, I, I like to underline or highlight. Um, unfortunately, some of us, some of us, we do that with one another, with our sins. Ah, huh? you failed there. Ah, huh? uh, 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 boy, this is a lot of highlighting going on here. You know, I saw that. Yep. Remember that one time? Yep. I just want you to remember so you don't do it again, you know, and and we're highlighting one another's sins. Um, Pro tip for marriage. This is a life hack from Kevin. This will not lead to a good marriage. (laughs) Highlighting, pointing out. I just wanted to remember it for later. You know, I just wanted to highlight that so I can remember it for later. Uh, I'll say this, that's our natural tendency. That's our natural, our sinful man, our unredeemed, the part of us that is not good to hold on to. That's what we do. I want to tell you that Jesus has a different way. He's a different way. He loved us. He loved us. And as he loved us, he even uses the word, in an Old Testament sacrificial sort of way. He covered us. He covered us. He, he took care of them. And in a very practical, relational way, he calls us now to earnestly love one another, to be all out when it comes to love within the body of Christ, 
And, and what does he say? Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. And, and it's the idea that it, it's, it's paying for, it's covering. It's the idea of making it non-important anymore. And I, I realize that some of you are doing the math right now and say, what if it's a really bad, hurtful thing? I want to tell you, uh, that's okay. To be honest, we're not going to let anyone be trampled here repeatedly over and over again in the church. We're not going to let that happen. That's not the way this family works, God's family. But know this, we will hurt one another. We will sin against one another. Unless we're six miles apart, right? Unless we never meet, unless we never talk to one another, unless we never depend on one another. The picture here is this, that this amazing love that Christ gave to us and now he calls us to in an ever-increasing, committed, all-out sort of way, this kind of love will be effective in the church in covering over things. It's beautiful how I've seen this over the years. I've seen it in marriages where uh, spouses have done things to one another that were unforgivable except in the gospel, except in the gospel. I, I look at how people have failed one another and, and lied to one another and, and, and ruined relationship, and yet God repairs. Why? Because that love covers a multitude of sins, both yours and mine, right? It's a covering. It's effective. It's, it's helpful. It's, it's, it's a mark of Christ, this love that covers a multitude of sins. What a powerful verse. Uh, verse 9 goes on to say, really give us an example of this kind of giving sort of love. He brings up hospitality. Uh, you look down at verse 9, it says this, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now hospitality is the word, the word means um, it's the idea of strangers, taking in strangers or doing things for strangers. It's very different from the idea of serving your family or uh, like your well-known family, your, the ones that live with you. That's uh, not necessarily hospitality. That's just functioning as a, a family, but it's like taking others in, taking others in. And in this case, there's really two categories. It's just people you don't know that well. You're not connected with, uh, other than the gospel. Um, you're taking them in. You're being kind to them. You're, you're showing them most of the time a meal or that you allow them to stay. Uh, this was big in uh, the times of the Bible that there were no hotels. It was the idea of taking in people who are traveling, many times missionaries or, or, or people who are preaching from town to town. And so it's the idea of taking them in, providing them a safe place, providing them rest and uh, relaxation and a meal. This hospitality, um, it's interesting. He, he says the idea of providing the show hospitality to one another again. See those words, one another. Above all, one another. Uh, show hospitality to one another. He's going to say it a couple more times as we go. That tips us off that it's the family of God, the one another's. But he gives an example of love, and I think the example is hospitality. Uh, because we love uh, God, who gave us his son Jesus, 
We love his people. We love his people, even ones that you don't know. Think about that. It, you love people you don't know because they love the same Savior, right? They're, we're connected in the gospel. Um, all of us have limited resources, all of us. Some of you are more limited than others, and others of you, are, you, you could go a lot longer. But the idea of giving over and over again, what, what happens? Eventually, you run to the bottom of the barrel, right? Uh, you run out. And uh, a lot of times, uh, you're saving something, or you're, you're holding back and resources and time or whatever. You're saving it for something special for yourself, right? You're, you're thinking about the future, but the picture here is this, that hospitality will cost you something. It will cost you. It will, a lot of times, time and money, right? Probably energy too. It's going to cost you something. And he says, uh, show hospitality without grumbling, right? The grumbling, that picture in this moment, yeah, I kind of was saving that for a special occasion, but, you know. Kind of had some other things going on tonight. You know, it's Monday night, and you know, I don't know if they still do it, but I was hoping Monday night football would be on and stuff like that. I just wanted to, I had a hard week, so I just wanted to spend time. All right. I guess I'll do it. I guess I'll love this person. I love loving this person right now. Like, just trying to get there. But he says, show hospitality without grumbling. Why? Because it's an act of love. See, selfishness is always trying to stockpile for ourselves. Always trying to treat ourselves well and right. Where love says, I'm going to think about others. I want you to get that word. Think about others. That's what love is. It's thinking about them. Not giving them what you want to give them, but giving them what they need. Thinking about their needs. Love others. That's an every every day in time essential love. So number two, every day in time essential service. He goes from talking about love to this. Verse 10, as each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. <clears throat> what he is described here, and he doesn't get into making real distinctions about spiritual gifts and natural gifts and gifts of money. Like he doesn't say what kind of gifts. He just says gifts. Now, w- this is counterintuitive. He uses that word gift. And how many of you like gifts, by the way? How many of you like gifts? Some of you aren't raising your hand right now. You're not getting anything. If you don't like gifts, we're not giving you any gifts. Make it, no, uh, uh, gifts. What are who are gifts for? You say, oh, well, they're for the, whoever is the recipient, right? You get a gift, and uh, you, you give them a gift, and what is it for? It's for them, right? That that's what we think in our mind. It's for them. That's not what this is. Um, as you, as you look at verse ten, verse ten, as each of you received a gift. We received a gift, whether that be at the point of salvation, which I believe uh, it includes, this idea of when you become a Christian, God, in a special way, equips you to do his work. He gives you a gift or gifts. This idea that he specially equips you for whatever he wants you to do in the future. 
He's also put you in a family. He's also given you certain personality traits. All that, just put it all together, okay? It's all his, right? Um, This is what I want you to get. This is so important. Those gifts were given to you. They were, you are to receive them so that you can serve. They're not for you. They're not for you. But most of the time, we look at the blessings of life as so we can sit around fat and dumb and happy and just, you know, more for me, more for me. I want to tell you that if God has given you gifts that he's blessed you, whether it be with anything, you think about your, your house, your car, your home, uh, you know, the idea that you can teach the scriptures, the idea that, that you enjoy, like there's all these different things that he has given you. And you say, well, boy, he sure must love me a lot to give me all this cool stuff. That's not where it ends. He's given to you that you might use that to serve. That's why he's given you. You know, if he didn't want you to serve, uh, you wouldn't have so many blessings. He wants to use you in his work. And so as he's given to you, uh, we are to receive it and serve. Gifts are not for me. They are treasures for others. Think about that. What God has entrusted to you is gifts for others. And so we should be racking our brain. God, what do you want me to do with this? How do you want me to serve? How do you want me to use this? Not how do I want to use it, but how do you want to use me in the life of God's people? He uses the word in here, uh, entrusted or gifted as stewards. And stewards, uh, you know the word steward, it's, it's the idea that someone has given you something and uh, I don't want to say with strings attached, but it's the idea that I blessed you. Now do something with it. Be a steward. And the stewardship we have here is of God's varied grace. I love that word varied because it's the manifold. It's, it's the idea of the rainbow or varied colored. It's the idea that God's uh, doing a million things all at once. It may look like just one, but he's doing a million things. And it's fascinating, and it's uh, intricate, and it all works together as his plan. But he's entrusted us this great message of grace that we can be a part of, that we can play a part in his magnificent plan. And I want to say it this way. He's gifted us specially. Each one of us is different. He, he uses a couple of examples here in verse 11. He says, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. And then he says, whoever serves by uh, one who serves by the strength that God supplies. We're gifted specially for certain times and certain places. And, and it's not about us. It's not about us doing something great. It's the idea that one who speaks is like the, you know, he's like the mailman, Right. The mailman. And, and, and what does the mailman do? He takes uh, a piece of mail from the one who sent it and he delivers it to the one who was supposed to receive it. That, that, that's what a speaker of God's word is. That's all, that, that's all they are. It's not as magnificent as some of us think, including myself. 
this idea that we're just a messenger, right? We're just a handing over the message. Sometimes, uh, Bear Valley Church, you folks come up to me after the service and, and you love the word of God. You just love it. And sometimes you say to me, you say, boy, that was a great message. And, and I kind of laugh. I go, yeah, that was a great message. I wish I had wrote it. I wish that that was my, uh, like, like I, I didn't write the scriptures. I did not. I'm just handing over to you what has been written by God. The one who serves, the one who serves, where they, oh, that was magnificent. It's kind of like the athletes were, were, uh, were interviewing after a win, and you say, boy, you did a great job. And what is the point of service? It's the, the power or the strength or the unction, if you will, it comes from God. This is not just us being tough. It's us trusting God and serving him as we serve one another. Well, I, I've taken too long, especially when you're only supposed to have hour-long services. Um, brings us to really the third point here this morning. Every day, end time, glorifying of God. I love this conclusion of this section. It says that in, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Your life and my life, what, what's the end result? Is that uh, God would receive the glory, that Christ in us, that, that my life would be changed and used, not to magnify myself, but to glorify God. That when people look at me, that they would see the greatness of the God of the Bible, that they would see his work in me, that as they see us collectively as the church, that they would see God at work in his church. And I, I love how this comes together, that he receives the glory that in everything that God would be glorified through Jesus Christ, that his plan would be praised as it unfolds in us. And that... Uh, in Christ, that, that to him would belong the glory and dominion. That the picture there is the victory, right? The victory would be the Lord's, that they would see his power displayed in the victory that he would be known. And for how long? Forever and ever. That is so awesome. I, I love that. I love that. You think about uh, great things that don't last, I always think of a great meal, you know. I, people can take pictures of them now and make other people feel jealous on social media. I'm eating this and you're eating macaroni and cheese. Uh, and you see this magnificent meal and you see this, but how long is it going to last? Not very long. You know, the effects could last a long time. But it, anyways, uh, you realize it won't last. It won't last. You, you think about uh, a home, a beautiful home that is brand new and you, you're just blown away at how aesthetic it is and how comfortable it is and how long will that last? Depends if it's in Bear Valley Springs, right? And how, how rough of a winter it is and your fascia is going to crack and twist and, you know, your roof's going to leak sometime, hopefully not this winter. Um, put a piece of bubble gum on it. Uh, 
we look at these things that are not going to last. And we see God's glory, the victory in Jesus Christ, that he will receive this, and this will be forever and ever. We get all worried about the day's events. Who's going to be the next Supreme Court justice? Who's going to be the next president? What's going to happen in the state of California? Are we going to fall into the ocean? Sometimes it seems better. Uh, we, we look at this. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know. We don't know. But I want to tell you, glory of God, the victory of Jesus, his power is on display forever and ever. Amen. Three things. Three things I, w- I want to close our time with briefly. Remember this, that your life is love more, serve more. Love more, serve more. What should you be doing today? Loving more and serving more. Figuring out how to love people and serve people, not in your own strength, but as God has loved and served you, you love and serve one another. Second point, your life with the church is for others. For others. To just keep that word others. Like, what is my life to be? It's for others. As we think in terms of what happens next and what the service is like and what, you know, what we are doing and what we're not doing, that we always think about others, that we don't think about, well, well I think this is a good idea. Well, I've seen this at another church. Well, I got a great idea. No, forget your ideas. Forget what you've seen. Let's focus on others. This is what it is for life in the church, that we would focus on others. And lastly, to remember that our life, your life and my life, is for the glory of God. It's not for our own glory. It's not for what we have done that we can get praised for, for the glory of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this incredible passage. God, we, we see how you have done this for us and your son Jesus, that you've loved us, you've served us. God, help us to be overwhelmed that we can play a part in bringing you glory. May we be willing participants. May we be zealous and earnest that this idea that we would be all out in our serving, all out in our loving of your people. God, teach us to do this. Make us mindful that our words matter that our words would be an expression of love and an expression of service, that, that the things that we do and the acts, that we, uh, acts of service that we give and the, the, the gifts that we give one another, that it would all be uh, loving and serving and that you would receive the glory. God, do your work in your church. Thank you for this day in Jesus' name.